But today we celebrate what we know as Palm Sunday, right? And you think of what is Palm Sunday? Why do we celebrate Palm Sunday? Why do we talk about Palm Sunday? Um, media team, I have a little echo on my mic. If, I don't know what it is, if you can lower it a little bit. The intentionality of what Jesus did on that day that he entered to Jerusalem triumphantly. We know it as the triumphal entry, la entrada triunfal. And I want you to understand something, and the Lord gave me a message for this morning that is not your common Palm Sunday message, but we're going to get to it. The name of the message today is Keep the Carpet Out. Can you say that this morning at online campus? Type it in. Keep the carpet out. Keep the carpet out. Well, one more time, like you mean it. Keep the carpet out. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to start reading in verse number one of Matthew chapter 21. And this is the story of the triumphal entry. Look what it says, starting in verse number one. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of the Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I'll have a little parenthesis there. We call it Palm Sunday because John chapter 12, when it recounts the same story, the, the triumphal entry is actually found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's one of the few stories that is found in all four Gospels. John chapter 12 specifically says that they cut the branches from palm trees. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Just wanted to give you that, right? So it says, so they, very great multitudes spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So there's a few things I want you to take home this morning from this story. And the first one is this. Jesus fulfilled messianic prophecies as he went into Jerusalem. It's why this had to take place. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9 is what the Matthew quotes here when he says, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on the donkey. It was a prophecy about the Messiah that he would come in riding on this donkey. But there's an interesting reality that is mentioned in some of the other gospels that Matthew doesn't mention, but it's important to understand. So flip over to Mark 11 for a second. Same story, but with a few different descriptive details. Jesus says in verse number two, go into the village opposite of you, and as soon as you have entered, you will find a colt 
tied on which no one has sat. Matthew didn't put that important detail. On which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it. Immediately they will send it here. And now it continues to say there that somebody asked them, what are you doing? Matthew didn't recount that, but somebody asked here. So this is the next thing I want you to understand as we study the triumphal entry, as we talk about it. Not only did Jesus fulfill messianic prophecies, but here's the second thing. The donkey had never been ridden on. The donkey had never been ridden on. Pastor, why is that important? Anybody wonder why is that important? So throughout scripture, you see this in Numbers, you see it in Deuteronomy, you see it also in Samuel, you see it in different places. It specifically states that any instrument or object that is going to be used for God for a specific sanctified purpose could not have been used for anything else previously. If it was a cart that was going to carry something of the tabernacle, when it was going to be commissioned for that, it could not have been used for something else before. And a donkey that had never been ridden on had never had a yoke put on it to work the field. It had never carried alone, and let alone it had never had somebody ride on it. And understand that Jesus entering into Jerusalem, he wasn't just fulfilling messianic prophecies, but it was the ultimate sacrifice that was coming into Jerusalem to be end, uh, given away into being crucified and killed and slaughtered to pay the price for our sin. So he could not sit on a vessel that had been used for something else before. Very important detail. So not only was the donkey had never been ridden on, Oh, man, spell check messed me up. It says Donley instead of donkey. <laughs> the Donley. <laughs> I don't know what a Donley is, but I'm talking about the donkey, all right? <laughs> the Donley. The, the Donley, you know. Not only had the donkey never been ridden on, but Jesus was honored as a conquering king. Now watch this. What did the people do? They cut down palm fronds, leafy fronds. They put them on the floor. They took their cloaks and they put them on the floor for him to walk in by. Again, throughout scripture, you will see that the people, the subjects of the king, would honor the king by basically pulling out the red carpet, taking off their cloaks or whatever, and putting it on the floor so that the king could walk over it. Come on. Y'all remember coming to America? The flower girls walking in front of the king everywhere. Except that's I want you to get the picture, right? Walking over. That's what the subjects, that's what all the people were doing. They were announcing that Jesus was the conquering king. The king that rode into the town, rode in, and everybody would put everything down because he came in from conquering battle. So Jesus triumphantly walks into Jerusalem, even before dying on the cross, declaring he is the triumphant king. 
Again, the people took off their cloaks, basically. They took it off. They put it before him, whatever it was. Now, that's very significant on itself because if you've ever been to the Middle East, I have not, but you read about it, the nights get cold and very windy. So the cloak was the protection. So you're saying, I am taking off my protection and laying it before the one who's my protector. So the donkey had never been ridden on. He was honored as a conquering king. Then, you can write this down, he was publicly acknowledged as the Messiah. Publicly acknowledged as the Messiah. Psalm chapter 18, verses 25 and 26 is what they sing, is what they quote. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. Now, I want you to understand why this is a public announcement of the Messiah. Number one, the word Hosanna, which we recognize as a, as a word of worship, right? We sing songs that say Hosanna because it means worship. That's not what the word means. The word Hosanna literally means save now. So they were crying out to the incoming conquering king, the Messiah. They were publicly announcing, save now, save us from this oppression, save us from these people, save us from the Romans, save us, right? They had this whole mindset that the Messiah was coming as a physical king to reign on earth. That was their expectation of the Messiah. So I ask you this question, what happened between the time that they entered, what shifted from the entry into Jerusalem to a few days later, the people crying out, crucify him. Because it was a mob of people that worshiped Jesus, and part of that same mob has to have been the mob of people that cried out, crucify him. So what shifted from the entry, the triumphal entry, to a few days later, crying out, crucify him, crucify him. I'm going to put it to you a better way. This is how I want you to understand it, all right? What made the people pick up the carpet? What made the people pick up the carpet? The carpet they had laid out for him, they picked it back up and shouted, crucify him. What led them there? Well, so if you read your Bible, you will realize that the very first thing, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it to you because I want to make sure you understand it. We're still in Mark 11. What? Mark 11, verse number 9. We'll start there. Those who went before, those who followed, cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Jesus goes into the temple, checks it out, and you know what he does the next morning? He walks into the temple and he starts flipping tables and flipping the chairs and casting everybody out. And he tells everybody, you've made my father's house into a den of thieves. Read your Bible. In all four Gospels, from right after when Jesus goes in and he is worshipped and exalted as the Messiah, everything that he does until he is crucified and killed, he is telling us of the things we need to change. He talks to the Pharisees about stop being pharisaical and stop doing the things where they can't practice what they talk about. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about the greatest commandment is putting God above everything else. He talks about everything that we have to shift and we have to change. So here's what happened. 
Jesus didn't meet their expectation of the Messiah. Jesus didn't meet the expectation of a physical king, so they picked up the carpet. And can I tell you, we do the same exact garbage every day. We put an expectation on Jesus. We want things done our way, the thing that we, we blah, 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 the way that we think is best. And when God doesn't submit his will to our will, we pick up the carpet and say, no, 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 I don't need it anymore. Mm, that one's hard. I know, I know, but I do, I've done this. I, I'm talking to myself, okay? Pastor, I came to be uplifted. It's Palm Sunday. They probably, they said the things. Yeah, but the same people said crucify him a couple days later. So let me, let, let me walk you through what I do as a Christian sometimes, right? This is what we've done. Jesus, you can have it all. I give you my whole life. I give you my marriage. I give you my children. I give you all of me. Here's the carpet. You can have it all. I go get baptized. My public declaration of faith. Then what I prayed for that I wanted doesn't happen the way I wanted to. And it's like, ugh, you don't work. Give me my carpet back. Or, God, you can have it all. Every part of me. And God you know, the little small voice, the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, yeah, you, you know that, that thing that you like doing, it doesn't please me. You need to get that out of your life. God, I'm not ready. I don't want to give that up. What do you mean I have to stop doing X, Y, or Z? People, wait, wait, what do you mean that I need to live a life of holiness? No, no, but culture tells me that it's okay to live with my boyfriend before I get married and sleep with them. The Bible says it's not. But culture tells me that it's okay to love whoever I want and do whatever it thinks. Nope, God says it's not. But culture says that there's white lies and big lies. Nope. As a matter of fact, you know that the Bible says that lying is an abomination to God? Sorry, el cubano. Chupate esa que es de fresa. All right? For everybody that, oh, because this is an abomination and this is an abomination. Proverbs tells you clearly, lying lips is an abomination to God. So when God convicts you because you said something that was wrong and it was a lie, and then you say, oh, but no, 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 God, no, no, that was just a white lie. You're saying, give me back my carpet, and I'm taking it with me. Mm. Culture's loud. Hollywood's loud. The politicians are loud. Let's be real. There's a bunch of pastors out there that are really loud. But if it ain't what the Bible says, they're wrong. And God is right. So the question is, will I leave the carpet out for the king of kings? And say, walk into my life and I give you every single part of me. There's no closet you can't touch. There's no thing you can't have. Because church, I, I, I need to tell you something. Jesus clearly said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. If you are not willing to change and subject your will to the will of God, you might be in that crowd. Oh, man, I know this isn't a very easterly message. 
but it actually is. Because all of the disciples rejected and left Jesus. Did you know that? We all talk about Peter denying Jesus, right? Come on. Every, poor, poor Peter, man. Peter, Peter's the guy that sank on the water, but he's also the only one that walked on it. <laughs> and all the other disciples, they can get out of the boat. Peter denied Jesus three times, but it says when they arrested Jesus, every disciple fled. Every disciple fled. Peter actually followed the thing to be close enough to be asked, are you with him? But what does God do? What does Jesus do when he raises from the grave? He goes to every one of the disciples and forgives them, restores them, grabs them grace, and grabs them mercy. So I'm here to tell you, even if at one point you laid down your carpet and then you picked it back up, Jesus says to you today, hey, I'm still your king and you're all right. Just go ahead and give it all to me again. We serve a God that restores. We serve a God that redeems. We serve a God that forgives. We serve a God that will get you, clean you up, put the Band-Aid on. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. He doesn't put the Band-Aid on. He just heals it. He don't need to put a Band-Aid. He lives a boo-boo, makes it look brand new. So when you ask the question, what made them pick up the carpet, we can look and say, Jesus didn't fit their expectation of the Messiah. And here's what happens when our will becomes louder than his will for our life. As humans, we tend to pick up the carpet. But Jesus taught us in the very same chapters right after this triumphal entry, it says that Jesus went up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, he begins to pray to his father. Y'all know the story. And three times the Bible says that Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, pass this cup from me. But let not my will be done, but your will be done. Can I give you an illustration of what I see Jesus doing? I see Jesus going before the father, putting the red carpet and saying, Dad, I'm at the carpet. I'm here with you. you you're, you're the one on this carpet. My flesh doesn't want to hurt. <laughs> if there's any other way past this cup. But I'm telling you that no matter what you choose, I'm going to follow your will, and the carpet's going to stay out because you're the king. And so the question I have for you this morning on this Palm Sunday as the worship team comes up to the altar is, are you willing to leave the carpet out for God even when he says you need to change this in your life? Are you willing to leave the red carpet out for God even when his will is different than your will? When his desires for your life are different than your desires, are you going to continue to leave the carpet out or are you going to symbolically pick it up and say, no, that's too expensive. That hurts too much to give up. So my challenge to you this morning, I wrestled with this word. I'm honest. I wrestled with this word till yesterday. And I actually sat with my wife and I said, I... I I have a hard message to share tomorrow. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Am I wrong? 
She says, what is it? And I gave her this is the 10,000 foot view. We pick up the cloak, we do this. And she says, get my notebook. Look what I wrote down this morning about the triumphal entry when I did my Bible reading. And she wrote some stuff that went in line with this. And it was a confirmation. I said, okay, God, it's a heavy, hard message, but your people need to hear it. It's time to keep the carpet out. Society and culture are only getting louder and shouting out, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. I publicly declare today, I will keep the carpet out and I am not aligning to culture over my God. I am publicly declaring today, I will not submit to what does not align with what God said in the word. I will do it in love. I will do it in compassion. I will do it in the way that he tells me to. But no voice will tell me to pick up the carpet of the soul of my life for my king that is sitting on the throne. And I challenge you today, Palm Sunday, keep the carpet out with me will the carpet of your life be laid before the Lord that you can say God you can have it all Lord my wife is yours my children they're yours every part of me is yours I will just steward them well Father the things that are in my life that don't please you I will surrender them even if it's hard, I will find accountability. I will find people to help sharpen me, but I will not pick up the carpet. Father, I'm putting it before you today. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, stand to your feet. And you and God, I'm not going to ask you to get rah-rah and do this, but if you today are making that choice, I run there where you are, you just tell God, God, I'm leaving you the carpet. God, I'm laying out the carpet. Every part of my life, I'm giving it to you. I surrender it to you. It's not mine. It's yours. I'm not going to pick up the carpet because I don't like it. I'm not going to pick it up. I'm going to, as a matter of fact, God, I'm going to get rid of my expectation of you and be filled with what the word of God says about me and about what we're doing. Today, this message has brought you conviction 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is you and God. Online campus, this is you and God, okay? Perhaps this message today has brought you conviction. And you can spot times in your life where you've just been part of the mob, whether it be saying, Hosanna, save now, you're the king, or crying out, crucify him, or perhaps you've never even made the decision. And today you say, because this message, the word of God has hit you, you say, I need to surrender my life to God. Or I need to get right with God and give him my life today. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. It's all about your faith. Because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, when you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. So if that's you, I want you to say this prayer with me. And church is going to pray with you. We're going to pray along with you. And just tell them, God, I'm a sinner. And on my own, I can't get to you. But I believe Jesus is your son. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. Died on the cross. And rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. From now on, God, I'm yours, and you are mine. I lay out the carpet for you. Be the king of my life, the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, celebrate him and worship him for another minute.